morning and grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, today is All Saints Day, but I think that, well, we celebrate All Saints Day, but I think for Northwesterners here, we don't say we're saints, we're Seahawks. <laughs> I think most people only think of saints, that's what they think about. We're Seahawks, right? Okay. But this is All Saints Day. And All Saints Day is an ancient tradition. At the same time, it's uh, undergone a lot of change. If you Google All Saints Day, Google, uh, the other word is Hallow, it's Hallow's uh, Day. All Hallow, Hallow's a saint. And they would all start a day in the evening. So what's Hallow's evening? <laughs> Halloween. Okay, that's where you get the Halloween from. You'll find out that uh, that is an ancient tradition that was probably taken from the pagans. You know what we are, if you're a good Lutheran, you probably, you know, some, most of us are German or Scandinavian. Some of you are, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say. But, uh, unfortunately, come with us. But we, we have these, these traditions, and, you know, our faith is really a mixture of Jewish and German, Roman traditions. These are things that happened. What happened before was, it's probably an old harvest, it's an old harvest festival. Before, you know, everyone thought of the world as going in circles, and it followed the farm so what happened when we became Christians, though, we took on a Jewish view. We had to make line go, a time go in a line. So our holidays became part of the line, either Jesus' life or part of a plan that went from creation down. So they had to kind of put one on top of the other. And it's gone through a lot of changes. All this to say that our traditions are not as pure as we would think. And our practice is not as pure as we think. When we start thinking about purity, you know, those non-Germans or those other people, they don't do it quite right. When we start thinking about that, the last time, we should be very careful, because the last time people were really pushing on purity, we had World War II, right? So this is to show us no one here is pure. There's all kinds of histories, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that history. The traditions are not bad in themselves. And what the church has done is they've redefined those those traditions, and that's a good thing too. So we get now we get we remember on this day all of the saints who have come, all the saints who will come. If you were a good uh, European, or if you're from the old country, I mean, my wife is from Europe. We lived there, and all the churches there, and probably the old country, the Midwest. Some of them probably came from the Midwest. They all have alumni associations. You know what? Alumni is like the, the graveyard, right? I mean, you, guys, you guys are too young. You don't have a big alumni association here. But maybe, maybe one day you'll have one. But this is the day you go and you wash all those graves. You wash your graves, you paint them or color them or put flowers, fresh, fresh flowers, and you remember all the same seven that we went ahead. Something like in Vietnam is where we were. You had to be dead to get a, someone to celebrate because they wouldn't have birthdays. They just had death days. So the only time you ever got celebrated is after, after you were dead. So I think we had a better one there. Less, more expensive though, too. <laughs> anyway, the, when we honor those saints, you know, we, we don't worship them, though. Luther didn't go after bad traditions. Luther went after bad doctrine. And so when we have these traditions, Look at what's the doctrine. If you look, for example, at, at uh, we don't worship the saints there. We don't ask them to intervene. We remember that. We honor them. We honor those people for that's the fourth commandment. Commands us to do that. 
And there may be, you know, why do they honor these? Because they believed in ghosts. They believed in all the souls who were there on the way to purgatory. You know what? Maybe there are. Maybe there are ghosts out there. I mean, I'm not willing to say anything. I live in Asia. <laughs> There's all kinds of things you don't know. But we don't have to worry about them. Because, as Daniel says, there will be other powers. But who is the power? Hothel, the God of hosts, the Most High, He's the one who tries to supersedes all of those things. So we can remember our, our, our saints. We can remember those people before, but without worshiping them. We can practice, we can even have a little fun on Halloween. We have to stop all the kids having fun. But we remember that there's a different doctrine that's true behind that. See, uh, Luther did, though, he did attack what a saint meant. He attacked and changed that on All Saints Day. Because back then, if you're the Catholics uh, back at that time, saints were only people who could live perfect lives. And who de de determined whether you do that or not was popes and, and other people. Right now, for example, they're contemplating, the Catholic Church is contemplating whether Pope John II and whether Mother Teresa should become saints, and whether we should put them as the saints. Well, Luther said, that's not, that's not the case at all. He said, actually, we're all saints. All of us are saints. But we're a special kind of saint. We're a sinner saint. We're all saints because of what Jesus did for us. Jesus makes us a saint. At the same time, simul justus e peccator, that's the Latin word. We're at the same time just and sinners. We are just because of Jesus. He justifies us. But we're sinners we continue that old Adam and that old Eve inside of us. And so until the end, we will continue to sin. But we are saints because of what he does. Popes don't make us saints. Jesus makes us saints. And he makes us saints and he puts us into a church, which is our inheritance. That's what this talks about, what our inheritance. We inherit. Well, most of us like to inherit. You know, we like to have a rich uncle or his parents or something. We can inherit a big church and a big house. Or a big chunk of money. None of us like that inheritance when we got a, as the old the temptations that you, I inherit your, your, your debts. <laughs> we don't like to inherit that. But the inheritance here is very mixed. We become God's chosen people. We get the inheritance that He first gave to the Jews. What does that mean? What is that inheritance? Well, let's look back at it. It's the inheritance of grace. It's also the inheritance of work. Look at Abraham. He got God's, Abraham was God's grace to whom? To the whole world. Abraham and the Jewish people were God's gift to the world. He was going to bless them. He's going to bless us. But he's going to make us a blessing for everybody else too. We forget about that. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's Abraham. What's the next one? Let's go through there. Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke to the Jews when they were in exile. Aren't we in exile? A little bit. I mean, where's our real home? Aren't we in this world but not of it? We are in exile. What was Jeremiah's word to the, to the Jews at that time? He said, make me work for the city in which you live. Build homes. Raise families. Uh, start gardens, live in the city, that the city may become great, and when the city is great, you'll be great too. 
He doesn't say, make yourself great, and then the city gets great. He said, make the city great. That's our inheritance, to work for others and work for the city, even when it's not ours. What's the last inheritance? Jesus. And what is his, what we inherit from Jesus, what we inherit grace is for sure, but we inherit his mission as well. And what was his mission? His life was a life of mission to other people. Did he come here for himself? came here for us. And now we are here called to others. And that's what his church is. That's the church his body. His body is, has this inheritance of grace. We are called. We are saved. Our sins are forgiven. But it's also a call to service. It's a call to be out there. Another thing too we found is that it's a call to power. To have the power that he has. The Lutherans, we love law and gospel, right? Law and gospel. It's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Law, gospel, challenge. We get recharged here with our forgiveness of sins. Why? So we can go out there and be God's hands to others. That's something that this church, that's something that these saints have been given, which Luther called vocation. We are given a vocation. Now, vocation back in the old days, uh, at that time, was, was reserved only for a few people. At that time, they didn't believe in, you know, the Gentile idea was you would transmigrate, you would uh, be reincarnated. We still see that in the and other things. What the Catholics kind of changed is they used to spend a lot of time in purgatory. <laughs> you only lived once, but you had to live, spend a lot of time in purgatory. And if you didn't want to spend a lot of time in purgatory, the way you get church workers is to say only church workers have a vocation and can go to heaven directly. Especially if you've got a white coat white thing and this nice uh, stole and all this. And you guys are going to go. But everybody else is going to spend this long time. Luther says no. And he says it because the Bible says it. He says no. Everyone has a vocation. And everyone's vocation is equal. And what are your vocations? What are your calls? You have multiple ones. You're called to be a wife. You're called to be a mother. You're called to be a brother. You're called to be a spouse, a neighbor. You're called to be a citizen. You're called to be whatever job you have as well. It's not just your job. All those things are your vocation. And in all those things, what God called, and they're all people. You know, we pray for our pastors. Do we pray for our business people? Why not? Who's giving us jobs? <laughs> Everyone is part of this great church that God has, has given us and that we are called to, to be a part of. Luther called our vocation. When we are, follow our, our vocation, we do this for God, with God, for God. And we, when we do that for our neighbor, for God, then we get the power of God. What does the epistle say to Inheritance is the power of God. We get the power of God when we do that. Now the Beatitudes are there. Beatitudes, those are kind of misunderstood texts. Do I have to be like that in order for God to love me? Can I not do that it's so hard that I realize that I have to rely on God? Yes, of all, in a certain sense. But what the Beatitudes are, they recognize that what Jesus has already done, Jesus already did all this. And because he already does all, all those things, he earns the right to make us saints. He earns the right to forgive our sins. In that he does forgive 
also shows us how to live. We can't be perfect. But He can. We can't do all those things. But He can. And He can do that in us as well. When we live that way, God comes to us in a special way. It's not we who do it, it's God who does it in us. So it is still a model. It's not a model we can perfect, but He can perfect it in us. How many of you have been, have done service? You guys are going to go now to the things next to you. What happens when you do service? You're shaking your You, Who ends up feeling better? You or the person you serve on? We become better when we do those things that God calls us to do. We feel better. God gives us His power. We become better people too. Who often limits us the most of all? It's we ourselves. We don't know what we can do. We've never tested God. We've only tested our own little ideas. God can do a lot more than this. He calls us to do that. He doesn't blame you if you don't. I mean, you kind of, that's your own. You're, you're missing out on something. He invites you. But do it. Find it. Find the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is, is for you to have as well. Let me take a couple examples from the Northwest here of what the church looks like. This body Jesus, which is made up of sinner saints, that's all of us. What does it look like? And how does it function? So a couple of Northwest examples. One is, what is the biggest organism in the world? Single organism. Uh, a lot of people think maybe a sequoia or a redwood. Right? There's a huge living organism. Uh, but there's actually something bigger. It's a fungus. <laughs> I learned this this last week when I was in, in Milwaukee at What's this fungus all about? Well, they found out here in Oregon, they tried to get, for example, you know these great redwood forests, they're really dark. So how do all these little, these little plants, these little seedlings that need sun, how do they grow? So they were trying to get, uh, they were trying to study, study these, and so they went and they, in the laboratory, they reproduced all of the conditions, you know, the sun, they want the rain, they want the soil, all the rest, and these things wouldn't grow. They could not have seedlings grow in the laboratory. They were missing something. And what were they missing? They were missing fungus. Now apparently, these, you know, when we see, when we see uh, uh, toadstools, we see mushrooms, these are just like the fruits of something much bigger that grows underground. It's huge. They can sometimes spread for 600 feet. So this is a fungus that just, and maybe it's like the saints, okay? <laughs> the church is this underground uh, fungus. This is good And then there's a couple of things. Maybe those are the, the very things, the, 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 the heroes of faith. But these, this fungus takes all the nutrients from the sun and supplies it to all these, these, uh, these things that, that are growing. So it's like our church. We don't always see it. We don't always see it. We see it only sometimes. But there it is. And what's its job? Is its job just to take care of itself? What does it end up doing? It ends up taking care of all of those trees, that whole forest. Not even knowing. God is at work in you without you knowing it. God is at work in you with you knowing it. But God is at work in others without you knowing it too. And that church is what He calls us to, to be a part of His body, to use the power and to transfuse the power that He gives us all as His saints.
Luther said, as his masks. We might say, as his hands. That's what we're calling it. All Saints Day is about us and about the grace that God gives us. One more North Dakota Northwest example. The Beatitudes in Luke, uh, they also come from Matthew. It's the more, uh, the more um, we use it. There it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke says, Blessed are the poor, straightforward. Doesn't say the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. And it says, the Lord's Prayer it says, Forgive us our debtors, meaning money debtors, not forgive us our debtors. In Matthew, which is much more sinner debt debtors. Which is right? Yes, they're both right. They're both in Scripture. Okay? But in Matthew, in Matthew, it comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says something very, very important. He says, the rain falls on just the good guys. Right? What is he saying? Yeah. He says, the rain falls on the good and the bad. God's concern is everyone. God's concern is to bring everyone to love him, to know him. And God's tool for doing that is us. Humble as we are, Inadequate as we are, with all the problems that we are, still God chooses us to be His hands, His invisible fungus in this world for the benefit of the whole world. This congregation does a great job of that, and I just want to encourage you to continue that and to challenge you, knowing our sin, knowing our salvation, to not forget our challenge. That we as a congregation, that we as a church body, that we as a church universal, continue to be God's saints. To be that rain in our homes. To be that rain here in this place. To be that rain in our cities and the world.